Good morning. If you would uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 3. This happens to be our third uh, sermon installment from this uh, really important chapter. May the Lord help us this morning. Romans chapter 3, verse 22. at least just verse 22 for now. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Join me in prayer again. Lord, what a joy it is to come before you in reverence and awe and happiness together with your people. Lord, we do not come in this morning in private worship We do not come in family worship that we might do in our homes, but we come in corporate worship, and we would worship you, Lord, with great joy and with fear. Would you work among us, help us? We confess our belief in the Holy Spirit. Lord, your word asks this wonderful question, who is sufficient for these things? Who is sufficient? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. So may that be the case even here and now. Help us, Lord, in these moments. According to your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 3. Well, no one has said anything to me, uh, but you may be forgiven if you happen to notice that on our gospel booklet resource table, which I hope you've made a, taken advantage of or that you will, we do have a booklet called Pursuing God, a Seeker's Guide. Pursuing God, a Seeker's Guide. So like I said, nobody said anything to me, uh, but you could be forgiven because the scripture plainly says, as we saw last week, Uh, No one seeks for God. No one seeks for God. Uh, Very quickly, I would just say that the man who wrote this, Jim Elif, if you crack open this little gospel booklet at all, you would see that he knows that verse. And I believe we would say he understands it and has his reasons for titling it the way he does. Let me share just one little thing that he says from this booklet. The question is, what's the problem A well-known Christian philosopher, Francis Schaeffer, was asked this question. Somebody asked Francis Schaeffer, if you had only one hour on a train to tell someone about Christ, what would you do? Got an opportunity to speak to somebody about Christ, about the gospel on a train for one hour. He answered that he would spend 45 minutes showing him the problem and 15 minutes showing him the solution. Well, I'm not saying that 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 is the only way that it has to be done, no. Neither am I saying that that's a bad way. Today, we come, so to speak, to that 15 minutes while also keeping in mind, to use what he said here, also keeping in mind the 45 minutes. And I'll try not to preach for an hour. Romans chapter 3. 
wanting this morning, as I've already mentioned, to keep in mind, to definitely keep in mind the preceding context. The first word that I want to be in your mind is the word gospel. The word gospel. Now look with me at verse 21 of Romans chapter 3. Romans 3, 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. Verse 26, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. I'm going to continue reading here, and as Paul continues, he brings up another word. The word that you could think of now is the word boasting. Boasting, although gospel continues to remain the key word. Verse 27. Then what becomes of our boasting? Paul says it is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Romans 3, 21 through 31. Gospel. Gospel. But now. But now. Jared Wilson uh, tells the story of years ago when he announced his resignation from his church. And he said that he spent the last few weeks after he had announced his resignation, basically in conversation with people who came to his office, unfortunately, many of whom decided to take the opportunity to air their grievances with him and with his ministry that he had exercised there. He speaks of one particular lady who came as he was on his way out who clearly wanted to unburden herself in kind of a sinful, unhelpful way. After saying things that may have been true, things that he says he, maybe he couldn't have helped, like his theological convictions and, and other things which were just unhelpful and maybe sinful accusations, he says this. He says, and then she said, the absolute worst thing I could have heard in that moment we know, Jared, she said, that the gospel is your thing. The sentiment starts out great, 
Indeed, I am overjoyed to be thought of as the pastor whose thing is the gospel. But it was just a setup for a calamity. Sometimes, she said, we need to hear other things. My heart sank. For years, I had not only explicated the good news of Jesus Christ from God's breathed out word, I had been making the case for the thoroughgoingness of the gospel, the need of grace in all of life, for the saved and the unsaved from the same word. Somehow, she either hadn't heard or didn't believe. Yeah, yeah, of course, gospel, she seemed to be saying, but what else do you got? Well, here this morning, after he has, first of all, in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, after he said in Romans 1, 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. He said, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Back there in Romans 1.17. In it, in what? In the gospel. And now he gets to more fully unpack the gospel. Two headings this morning. The first heading is this. And if you've heard of the Romans road, then you know it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Remember, brothers and sisters, remember, friends, this truth, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The first heading, the first point this morning is sin. Uh, Look with me in verse 23. There in verse 23, he says what I just said to you. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, what this is, is this is actually a great, uh, a short summary of what he's been saying, Uh, specifically of what he's been saying, what he's been laying out as he gives us the medicine that we need to take in chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. Even though there are two verses in between, so verse 23 comes after he's started a new thought. He starts kind of a new thought in verse 21. So there's two verses in between verse 23 and verses 9 through 20. Nevertheless, this is actually a wonderful summary of what he's been saying. Sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we would do well, even if just for a few minutes, we would do well to go back, to go back and see. Verse 23 calls us to go back for a moment. So look again at verse 10. Back in verse 10, what did he say there? He said, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. And we noticed that this is taken from Psalm 53. And not only Psalm 53, but it's taken from Psalm 14. And we talked about how Uh, The the ancient Hebrews did not have exclamation points like we do to to say something with emphasis. So to say something with emphasis, they would use repetition. And so God clearly wants us to understand that there is not one single righteous person in the world. No one seeks for God. We've all turned away. Psalm 14, Psalm 53, 
We could add Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and then here Romans 3.10. None is righteous, no, not one. But just for a moment, I want you to glance back at verse 9. Look at verse 9. This is very important. What then, Paul asks, are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. In verse 9, we see two things very quickly that we need to understand. He says, first of all, we've already charged that all. That's, that's a judicial word. That speaks to us of the law court. There is a, listen, there's a formal charge against us, not just against Greeks, not just against pagans and godless people, but against Greeks and Jews, those who aren't God's people and God's people. We, there is a formal charge against us, and he says in verse 9, that we are under sin. Not only have we broken the law of God and therefore there is a formal charge against us, there is no excuse, but we are also under the power of sin, under the dominion of sin. We are slaves of sin and of Satan. Well, look again, he goes on and he's quoting in this, uh, this list, he's quoting the Old Testament. You know, sometimes we can use the word law to refer to all of the Old Testament. He's laid out the charge in verses 10 through 12, and then in verses 13 and 14, he speaks of our verbal sins. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. And then he gets into our actions their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. We think about out and out murder. We think about violence. We think about hidden murder and hidden violence in the case of abortion. 17, and the way of peace they have not known. He's quoting here from the Psalms. He's quoting from Isaiah 59. And let, again, let me just say that part of what we're doing is we're getting into, we're getting into, but now, Romans 3, 21 through 26, but we're keeping this, this in view. We are appreciating grace in light of sin. We're appreciating gospel in light of judgments. We're seeing the gospel in Romans 3, 21 through 26, but we're remembering why the gospel is good news. And he sums it all up here. His summary statement in verse 18, look at it with me. There is no fear of God before their eyes. The believer prays and says, Lord, unite my heart to fear your name. The believer says, like amazing grace, it was grace that taught my heart to fear and, and grace my fears relieved. But after speaking for the better part of three chapters about our idolatry and about our ingratitude, he sums it up here in verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. People don't care about God. We care about ourselves. Verse 19, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those 
who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. There is no excuse. Whether you have the actual law of God, the Mosaic law, in other words, whether you are of the people of Israel, whether you are a Jew and you have God's written revelation, or whether it be on your conscience and in nature, we are all shut up under the law, so to speak. There is no excuse. We are all condemned. The formal charge is levied, and we are enslaved by the power of sin. All of this leads us down. Even though we skip two verses, it leads us down to verse 23. And again, I say this is the summary of what he has been saying. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is point number one, sin. But then point number two is grace. Point number two is verses 21 through 26. Point number two is verses 21 through 26, and particularly, look at verse 24. Now notice, notice how he continues the thought here. I don't think, maybe if you have a different translation, but I don't think you have a capital letter at the beginning of verse 24. No, what does it say? It says, and are justified. Let's get the flow of the thought. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, comma, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. By his grace. By his grace. Now, if you look at this and you see that it is a continuous thought, you may say, well, does that mean that everyone is going to be saved? You could read that and say, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. But we know that the scriptures do not teach what's called universalism. He's speaking clearly here in the context of believers, believers who are justified by his grace as a gift. He's speaking of grace, the gospel of God's grace. Now, some of you know this already. Some of you have heard maybe John Piper talk about this, Romans 3, 21 through 26. Some of you know that it's been called the most important paragraph in the Bible. Martin Luther, uh, the Protestant reformer, said of Romans 3, 21 through 26, he said, it is the chief point and the very central place of the epistle and of the whole Bible. It's a central point, the central uh, paragraph of the whole Bible. Uh, Leon Morris says, it is possibly the most important single paragraph ever written. Wow. Another scholar calls this passage the center and heart of the whole letter. Whatever. I mean, you know, we don't, you don't have to necessarily agree with that. All scripture is God-breathed. All of it is profitable. And even though Romans 1.18 through Romans 3.20 is the bad news, and in many ways it's hard to swallow, that too, of course, is the word of God. And Romans 3.9 through 20 in particular prepare us for this good news. This good news that begins with those two 
little three-letter words, but now, but now, but now that the Lord Jesus Christ has come. Maybe you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter nine. As he's speaking in some ways about the subject of fasting and, and the disciples of John the Baptist are talking about, you know, why don't your disciples do what John's disciples do? Why do you do things differently, Jesus? And you may remember that Jesus talks about, it's kind of, kind of weird in a way, he talks about new wine in new wineskins. He says, you don't put new wine into old wineskins because then the skin will burst and the wine will flow on the ground and therefore you no longer have any new wine and you no longer have a wineskin. No, what you do is you put new wine into new wineskins. And there is something here to these first two words, but now. This is the gospel this is new wine. This is new wine fit for new wineskins. It is not that there was no gospel in the Old Testament. That's not what I'm saying. It's certainly not that there was no grace in the Old Testament. There was grace. There was God. He is the God of all grace. He never changes. But nevertheless, there is something new here. It says, but now, this paragraph, as one man says, may be the most important in the history of the world. Well, maybe it would do us well to just read it again. Romans 3.21. Now that you know that, oh, I was just thinking this is really important. All right, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Did you hear that this morning, my friend? For all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show, verse 26, his righteousness at the present time so that he might be, what? Two things, just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Point number one, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Point number two, the gospel of God's grace. Very quickly, just a very quick overview of what this passage says. First of all, the dominant thing, just noticing simply what it says, the dominant thing is the righteousness of God. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested. You see that? Verse 22, the righteousness of God 24, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25, this was to show God's righteousness. Verse 26, it was to show his righteousness. And even though in English we have the words righteous or righteousness and then a separate word justify, it all comes from the same root. It's all expressing the same idea. It's all saying that sin has power over us. 
we are enslaved to sin and we enter God's courtroom and we have no excuse. The charges have been laid out, Romans 1.18 through 3.20. We are in the courtroom and we are condemned, but nevertheless, we see these words, just, justifier. Verse 24, justified, righteous, righteous. Well, what else is important here? Well, this is the righteousness of God through faith. Through faith. Notice what verse 22 says. Through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Verse 25, by his blood to be received by faith. Verse 26, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So if you're just keeping a tally, the root word for righteous or justify appears seven times. Faith is three times. And then another emphasis he has is that this is for everybody. He's been talking about Jew and Greek. And so in verse 22, he says, this is through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. It used to be that in a sense you were either born into the people of God or you were adopted into the people of God. He has been talking at length about Jew and Gentile, Jew and Greek. Now he says there is no distinction. The grace goes as far as the need. The good news meets the need of the bad news. The grace of God goes as far as the need, and the need is every single human being on the planet. And the grace of God reaches that far through the Lord Jesus Christ. The central thing that he's talking about here is Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ. He gets to verse 26, and he says, this is how God can be both righteous, that God is right, his, he is right in his character. He always does what is right, and he can be the righteouser, the one who justifies, the one who puts people in the right with him. God puts people in the right with himself through faith in Jesus. Because of the cross of Jesus, this is about the cross. The, in the Old Testament, God was, in a sense, he was overlooking these sins, he made Abraham right with him. He made David right with him. These men were right with God through faith. How? Because one day Jesus would come and he would die on the cross for their sins. This is in one sense the vindication of God. Not that God needs any vindication, but he is both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. It's all because of the cross. It's all because in the same way that they were aware that people could go and, and purchase, pay the price to free someone from the slave market, even so he speaks of the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, that he has paid the price to redeem us from the slavery of sin. He is our propitiation. Oh, we're just skating over these things for, for right now, just quick skating over. It's the cross. It's the, the, the way that you are made right with God is through the cross of Jesus Christ. He is our redemption. He is our propitiation. He satisfies the wrath of God on our behalf. Sin 
grace, the gospel of God's grace. Those are the two headings. This is the most important paragraph, at the very least, in the book of Romans. He's gonna start talking a lot more about the gospel. If I could say one more thing before we close, and that is verse 21. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. This passage speaks to us of the gospel. And I want us for just a second to look at verse 21. I've told you before that John Newton, at the age of 82, never forget this, at the age of 82, John Newton said, my memory is nearly gone but I remember two things, that I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great savior. I am a great sinner and Christ is a great savior. In verse 21, he speaks to us about the Old Testament. I've already said this is something new. This is the gospel. This is new wine. This is the righteousness of God made manifest in the incarnation and in the cross and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I tend to think the emphasis of verse 21 is on that phrase, apart from the law. You can compare it with verse 28. It is not what we do. It is not by our works. This is something new. The Old Testament points forward as the end of verse 21 says, The Old Testament anticipated this, yes, but it is new. It is apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. And this too I've said because I love it. Run, John, run, the law commands, but gives us neither feet nor hands. Far better news the gospel brings. It bids me fly and gives me wings. Remember verse 20, friends. By works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. That is a sober thought. The gavel comes down. We've been thinking about Derek Chauvin and his trial, but think about this courtroom. By works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Verse 20, we're all doomed. But now, but now, far better news the gospel brings. It bids me fly and gives me wings, thanks to the cross of Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for these million-dollar words, propitiation and justification and redemption. Lord, we know enough to know that you are righteous. You are perfect. You are holy and without sin. And we must know enough to know that we are shot through with sin under the wrath of God. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the center point of the gospel, which is the cross of Christ. Grant to us that we would repent of our sins and flee and fly to Christ even today. Thank you for the shed blood of Christ. 
Thank you for your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.